The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place. Today's buzz, innovation on speed. Woohoo! We have a lot to talk about. Let's get started. You've likely heard the time-honored adage, lead, follow, or get out of the way. Hmm. So let's talk about it. Leading through innovation and the need to innovate have been staples of business for centuries and centuries. Today, however, if you don't seize the lead option, one of the other two is going to be chosen for you. Those are very damning words, so take heart. Now, let's talk about why it's so important today. With the pace of change accelerating and the cycles of innovation compressing, and sometimes they're even overlapping, successful companies are challenged every day just to keep up with this change. So a lot of questions come to mind. How are they able to simplify their business processes to become more agile? Because agility seems to be the name of the game. What are the tools and techniques they can leverage to predict the next wave. You want to know for what you need to be agile. So we have a panel of experts today, and I'll tell you a little secret. Don't tell anyone. We have a dreamer, we have a practitioner, and we have a change agent. And I'm looking forward tremendously to welcoming them, getting their ideas, their input, their wonderful insights, and helping you figure out how to deal with innovation on speed. So let me get started. First up, I'd like to introduce Josh Linkner. Uh, he is the CEO of Detroit Venture Partners, and he's a best-selling New York Times author, business books, very interesting, and we'll talk to Josh about his books a little bit later. And his quote is, playing it safe has become the riskiest move of all. We never play it safe here on SAP Radio. Welcome, Josh Linkner. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for joining me. Are you in Detroit today? I am. It's beautiful and sunny. I'm looking right into Comerica Park. It's good. We've got a Tigers game today, so it's a, it's a great day and a great time to be in the city of Detroit. Wonderful. I know you are very passionate about Detroit, and we can blend that into the conversation later about innovation and the speed of innovation, Josh. So tell me, very interesting quote to kick off our conversation. Playing it safe has become the riskiest move of all. For whom, why, and how much? Josh, talk to me. You know, the, the concept of playing it safe generally has been, you know, sticking to your knitting, and, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it and all that. The problem is that the world is changing at a pace like none other in history. And, and success is only achieved in, in the context of lots of external factors, which, which again, are changing at an, incre- an increasingly difficult pace. So playing it safe, quote-unquote, means playing not to lose. It means it is grasping to the past, and that is a very dangerous thing. In fact, the, the best careers and best organizations are based on people taking responsible risks, going out on a limb, and avoiding the trap of mediocrity of, of trying uh, not to lose. 
responsible risk. I think that's going to be a buzzword for us today, Josh. Very interesting concept. And mediocrity. Now, tell me something. We have a vast audience here on SAP Game Changers Radio. By the way, today we are on Future of Business presented by SAP Services. Had to get that plug-in for David Fowler. Uh, Josh, we have a, an audience in over a 100 countries. They are all sizes of companies, all geographic footprints, all stages of maturity from startups all the way to what I call the big behemoth enterprises. So my question to you is, mediocrity, is this something that's going to happen inevitably in a large organization where people are going to play safe just because they want to keep their job and nobody's asking them to innovate? Just give me a little clue here before we go to our next panelist. What do you think? You know, it certainly can, but it doesn't have to. I mean, there are large organizations like Google and 3M that are pushing the boundaries. And by the way, there are small organizations that have become state and bureaucratic. So to me, that small company thinking, the entrepreneurial sense, the, the sense of a creative disruptor, doesn't apply, does, doesn't really matter the size of an organization's balance sheet. It has to do with how they think and how they behave, what they reward and what they celebrate. Very interesting. You have so many key words you just kept popping in there. But I'm going to move to the next panelist, and we'll hear from you in just a few minutes. Lots to talk about. I'm glad to welcome Colleen Spear. She's a vice president and head of Active Global Support North America for SAP. And Colleen has sent me a wonderful quote from Nelson Mandela. The quote is, it only seems impossible until it's done. Colleen Spear, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing good, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. Delighted to speak with you. So, and you're the practitioner in our trio here, our dreamer, practitioner, and change agent. Just just wanted everybody to know. Colleen, tell me why you picked this Nelson Mandela quote and what it means to our conversation about innovation on speed, please. Uh, I, I think it's a great motto to live by, and, and it speaks for itself. You know, once you're done and you're looking back, things that seemed impossible are not. Uh, it speaks tremendously to what companies are facing today. They're, they're looking at the need to change. They know they need to transform their, their, their landscapes and scenarios, of the customer they need to reach and so on. And technologies are changing so fast, as you heard Josh say. Uh, and essentially what they're struggling with is how do I get from where I am today to where I need to be tomorrow, that point A to point B, and it just seems impossible to them. Uh, many of them are also looking at I don't have a blank canvas to do this on. So um, that, that's the struggle that they face, and they need to figure out how they move forward in, in that path. Um, how they build sustainable simplicity is the key for me. And do you agree with Josh about responsible change, responsible uh, forward motion, responsible you, risk, in fact, risk? Yeah, that, that responsible risk is, is so vital because, again, they, you need to kind of measure where you're going, how you take that complexity and make it simple. And then you want it to be sustainable so you can then capture those aspects. And by doing that, you're actually doing responsible risk because you're leveraging what you have and building on things for the future. Colleen, one more question for you. Who in an organization, let's look at a, a small to midsize, an SME, small to midsize enterprise, who is responsible for ta getting tasked with this? In other words, who is responsible, in your opinion, and your observation in, in your years in this area, who is responsible for taking this responsible risk, for taking the charge and the lead? Any particular role, any particular person? I think it's going to vary by organization, but what you see with the dynamic change is the business, the line of business has a tremendous more focus and, and drive that they need things faster, so you have to be able to innovate at the speed of business, and then your, your operations, your IT, your business processes that come behind that need to support it. So it has to be a holistic culture within a company, but I, I think the individual pieces or parts come together, and so everybody is responsible for it, if I have to say. 
Thank you. Great point. And that's what I was hoping you would get to. Thank you, Colleen. And let's bring on our third panelist. This is our change agent, although I have a feeling all three are really. Michelle Serrier, welcome back. He was on a recent show with us. He's the global head of service innovation at Global Services for SAP. And this time, Michelle has sent me a Steve Jobs quote from 1997. I think it was the Worldwide Developers Conference. And here's the quote. You have to start with the customer experience and work back toward the technology, not the other way around. This really was a hallmark of how Steve Jobs operated. Welcome back, Michel Sirier. Comment ça va? Ça va bien, merci. Bonjour. Bonjour. Talk Thanks for having me. Oh, we're delighted to have you back. You were so articulate last time. We're counting on you to be the same. No pressure. So tell me, why did you pick the Steve Jobs <laughs> quote, and how does it relate to our, our topic of accelerated innovation? Michel. <clears throat> I'm going to... Um... I'm going to make a comparison to uh, to um, a few years ago when when I was dealing or we were all dealing actually with uh, SOA as a as a technology. At that point in time, we were kind of uh, limited in the dreams we could have um, by the technology we had. And today, it's exactly the the contrary, um, and that's what I'm trying to convince the customers about. So, um, is, is that actually technology is not a barrier anymore as we had in in, in the previous times? Innovation, coming back to the um, the leading phrase that you had for the uh, that we have for the hour, in- innovation means adoption. Otherwise, it's just an idea. So, if I take a metaphor like uh, Leonardo da Vinci, in, if you read some of his books, there there is a picture of a parachute. So, it was invented 500 years ago. But if there is no need, then there is no point having the um, the idea. So, um, we, we're actually trying to make sure that. Uh, um, and this is why I use that quote, that we need to work really with the users and the customers from day one to actually not focus on the technology, but what the users and the customers need. And then mm-hmm. technology is going to be the enabler, but it's a bit like me driving my car. As long as it, it does a, a regular sound under, underneath the, uh, in the car, then I'm, I don't care anymore what happens um, with the technology. And as a side effect, you, you also avoid um, unsuccessful projects or long tail. Very good points, and, and we know that the customer experience and customer voice is certainly rapidly changing through social media and other avenues where the customer is yep. part of your brand, part of your forward motion, and part of what your company has to be and has to become, and that's where agility comes in. I'm ready to ask my panel a very tough question. I think you're all prepared for this. I certainly hope so. Josh Linkner, what are you drinking today in Detroit, beautiful Detroit, or what do you wish you were drinking, or let's even say what are you going to drink after the show? Talk to me. <laughs> well, I'm drinking an extremely strong cup of coffee. Uh, I wouldn't mind drinking a beautiful French wine. Uh, maybe Michelle, you could you could hook me up with something there. Uh, and uh, but I'll tell you, you know, the um, for me, caffeine is is one of the four major food groups, and I think that probably applies to many of my colleagues who are entrepreneurs who are who are trying to push the boundaries. And not that we rely on something external for, for energy, but uh, it certainly uh, helps out in a pinch. I appreciate that. Strong coffee. Does it have a flavor, a brand, a name? We'd just like a little more to know a little more about you, Josh. What well, what is it? In fact, it is. It's a Detroit uh, brewery, uh, um, not brewery, a um, uh, maker of coffee, and it's uh, it's called the Great Lakes Coffee Company. And I'm drinking something called Joe Lewis Blend. Joe Lewis, as you know, a fellow uh, Detroiter and, and and world champion yes. boxer. Yes, very interesting. Thank you. Nothing wrong with dropping a couple brand names on the show. We we like to do shout-outs. Thank you, Josh. Now we know more about you and your De- Detroit devotation. Devotion. Colleen Spear, where are you calling from today, Colleen, and what are you drinking? Uh, I am calling from Newtown Square, Pennsylvania, 
And I am drinking a Vente Skim Latte Extra Hot Extra Shot because, Bonnie, I have a toddler running around at home and I need every edge I can get. <laughs> and you're taking the time to be here with us on live radio, and we appreciate that very much. Thank you for the description, Colleen. Michelle Sirier, what's in your cup today, and where are you calling from? I'm calling um, today from Berlin, which is also uh, very sunny and very uh, very hot, which is one of my favorite cities, actually, around the world. Um, and I'm actually drinking water um, because it's a hot day. But uh, coming to what I would like to drink, it's actually yes. there. I'm going to uh, to go the same avenue as Josh. Um, I'm actually looking forward to tomorrow evening um, because my favorite hobby is cooking, and this is always something I do while I um, either drink a cocktail or a, a good glass of wine. Um, and talking about wine, I actually taste, uh, yesterday we tasted Turkish wine, and I was surprised because they're really good white wines. I didn't test uh, the, the red ones, but they're really good white wines. There's a recommendation for Josh Linkner if he's looking for a good wine. Turkish white wine. Josh, you have been educated. Guess what? I'm going to give my panel a break of just about 90 seconds. We're going to think about what we're going to do when we come back, and you know what it is. It's the roundtable. We will have 30 minutes nonstop. So, panelists, please put your seatbelts on and get ready. I'm speaking today with Josh Linkner at Detroit Venture Partners and a best-selling New York Times author, Colleen Spear, VP and Head of Active Global Support North America at SAP, and Michelle Serrier, Global Head of Service Innovation, Global Services for SAP. And by the way, Dave Fowler says he's drinking Caribou Coffee Blend. Thank you very much. We have Dave listening and tweeting, and we also have Andy Grieg. And if you'd like to join the Twitter party, we're tweeting our little hearts out at hashtag SAP Radio. I know you know how to spell that. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Delighted to be here. Today is Thursday, May 22nd, 2014. If you're keeping track, this is episode number 12 in the series we call Future of Business with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP Services. We'll be wrapping up the series next week, and then we'll be coming back in the fall with another 13 weeks. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Brad, out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to The Future of Business with Game Changers. 
Okay, welcome back. I have a, a note for uh, Dave Fowler and anybody trying to listen. If you're behind a firewall, kill the firewall and go, in, go back into the link. Go to voiceamerica.com and look for Future of Business with Game Changers. It's today's date, May 22nd, and there will be a link that says coming soon. It will work for the live show. That's the best I can tell you. And I'll be tweeting another link into, uh, into Twitter for you. So let's start our roundtable. We're going to kick it off with Josh Linkner, who is in Detroit and very happy about that. He's very happy about that, and so are we. Josh, you sent me the following note in your notes before the show, and I, I think this is a great jumping-off point for our conversation today. Success is a temporary condition, not a permanent state like so many believe. So talk to me about that. Who are the so many who believe it, and why is it not permanent? Go ahead, Josh. You know, organizations and individuals hit a point of success and feel that they've cracked the code. Like, in other words, they've, they've unlocked the safe, which will continue to flow with riches forever. And, and really what happens is that success happens in the, in the context of many external forces that are, that are in the midst of constant change. And one of the things that is the most painful downfall of both companies and individuals is they become uh, intoxicated by their own success and they become lulled into a false sense of security only to then be disrupted by some other innovation from an external party. Uh, we've seen that time and time again, you know, Polaroid was the dominant player in instant photography for 50 years they should have been Instagram. They should have been Tumblr and all these other um, digital technologies. But they were so busy worrying about cannibalization, about others disrupting their business, that they failed to do so themselves. So a much, much more productive approach today, instead of avoiding cannibalization, you can't avoid that which can't be uh, avoided. In other words, nobody can prevent innovation and, and, and new ideas on, on the world's uh, stage. Uh, a more productive approach is to flip that model upside down and, in fact, to be the cannibal to be in a constant state of reinvention, a constant state of putting yourself out of business in order for, for a new, new, better version. Josh, putting yourself out of business, that sounds like a very threatening, very risky, and we talked about responsible risk in your intro before, first part of the show. How do you do that and still stay in business? What's the trick? Well, you know, I'm using sort of provocative language because I think mm-hmm. it's that important. You know, it's, it's not something that, that's a nice to have. I mean, today this, this creative disruption is happening everywhere. Um, the thing that, I, that, that leaders need to do is, first of all, build a culture that supports responsible risk-taking and creativity and, and, and celebrates new ideas instead of punishes them and, um, and, and commit that, that they are making decisions based on the current set of circumstances, not just blindly saluting the flag of the past. And so I'm not saying that, you know, disrupt something just, just for the sake of it, but I'm saying question everything about a, a core business, the products, the services, the processes, the distribution models, even, even the hiring practices and culture, to make sure that those decisions still hold weight today and you're not just doing what worked uh, long, long ago. Thank you, Josh. And we want to have Colleen Spirit, SAP, chime in. Colleen, thoughts on what Josh just introduced? Yeah, Josh, great points. And the one thing that stood out for me was the constant state of reinvention. And I think that's so true for a lot of companies today with the speed that's going on. And and I think when you look at how do I change, again, a customer struggling with, I, I have to leverage what I have in my investment, but how do I change it and simplify it to set me up for this state of constant reinvention. So when they're, they're looking at how do I simplify what I have and build that sustainable simplicity, I think that's, that's the part that most companies need to focus on. And, and if I can get accessibility to information across 
um, the wide span of, of networks as well as what I have here in my own world, you, you open up a new dynamic and new channels into business that didn't exist before. And, and that flexibility to grow and build on that is, is where companies need to move to. If they set up their infrastructure to model that business that, that, business that they want to head for, that state of constant reinvention, they're going to be set up for the future to grow as well and, and constantly change. That agility will be there. Thank you, Colleen. Michelle Sirier, I know you want to join in. Anything to say about what we're, we're discussing here? Um, I fully agree with what Josh and Colleen were, were saying. It's about uh, reinventing yourself, and you should do this as, out of a strength position, not waiting until you're um, already um, going down or weakening. And this is what we're seeing at the customers. There are more and more customers that are realizing, actually, that they need to reinvent themselves, either totally, as Josh was saying, or um, in, in parts. And this also needs then a culture of change, um, which is not existing everywhere and which needs to be reintroduced from an SAP point of view. And this, uh, this is being used by more and more customers. We're, um, we're actually using uh, design thinking to do so. Um, and this helps us then to really um, reintroduce that culture, that culture of creativity, that, uh, that possibility for everyone to, to bring ideas, to fail early and, but not all, um, and often, which doesn't mean you do the same mistake several times. And, mm -hmm. and then you're on the best way to actually move to, um, to a sustaining way of innovating. Thank you very much. Josh or Colleen, anything to add to this conversation before I take it in another direction? Either one of you, please? You know, just on the topic of reinvention, I mean, so mm -hmm. often that can be an intimidating word because it implies, you know, completely letting go of everything you held dear in the past. Um, the best of the best, again, think about it as an ongoing process. And you don't have to reinvent everything all at once at all times. So in other words, you could have a, a process that is very focused on the customer experience while many other facets of the organization are, are, are moving along at a steady pace while that particular reinvention effort is underway. So I think that rather than thinking about it as all or nothing, breaking mm -hmm. down a, a larger effort, a larger organization into respective areas of focus and reinventing those systematically, chalking up the wins from one particular reinvention effort, and then using that to fuel the next. Okay, and, Kali. Go ahead, Michelle. Mm-hmm. No, it's Colleen. Sorry. Um, oh, hi. Uh, I wanted to just uh, tag on to what Josh said, the, the reinvention of all, at all the time. I, I think it, he's very true, and I think even taking some pieces and standardizing with, within your environment and all, uh, while you're innovating in those other capacities will allow you then to also grow. So if you can automate and, and standardize some of the fundamental pieces, you then free up more time, more resources, more money on the innovation components. And I think it was, it was Charlie Feld that said it seems counterintuitive, but you, you really need to standardize your systems and whatnot and processes to be more flexible and agile going forward. And it's such a true statement. Thank you, Colleen. Michelle, anything you want to wrap up on what they just said? No, no, no. I'm nope. Okay. <laughs> Good. Okay. Thank you very much. No pressure. I want to move in a slightly different direction. Colleen Spear, uh, we talked in the opening of a show. I asked you who's responsible for all of this change and this energy going in the uh, trying to cope with the speed of innovation and keeping up with, with whatever is needed to move the company ahead more than just survive. So in your notes to me before the show, you mentioned that in your opinion and your experience, the LOB line of business is the decision maker in many companies. And you added, they need simple, more flexible solutions that have the level of accuracy and traceability required in a system of record for the company. Let's focus on the LOB. Who is the LOB? Apply it to different size companies, please. Exactly who are we talking about here? 
So your, your LOB or lines of business, they're actually the guys uh, working with the customer, running your sales, running your marketing, running your financials. You know, they're actually the heart of the business. If they're not running fast, if they're not happy, if they're not getting the innovations that they need, it's impacting the, the company as a whole. So if, if your business side isn't up and active and, and moving forward and innovating, the business itself, the company itself is not. Okay. Michelle Serrier, thoughts on this? I um, fully agree with what Colleen was just saying. The, uh, um, the line of business are turning into, um, and, and we see that many customers also, they, they're the decision makers. Even everything when it comes to the technology and what is to be used is something which is uh, being decided by the lines of business <coughs> in an increasing manner. Um, and this is also because they are the ones which are uh, coming back to what I was saying at the beginning, that actually you need to actually have the consumer or the user internally um, uh, being uh, being the one you look at first, and those are in the lines of business. So you, the the focus is really on the on the lines of business. Yeah. Okay, Colleen. Before we I, before I bring Josh Linkner into this, uh, your notes also suggested that you need to have solutions in layers. Now you know we don't get deep into the weeds here on SAP Game Changers Radio, but I'd love to have you just give a little bit of your perspective on the three layers of solutions that will help this all happening. So talk to me, please. Sure, and, and I'll try and keep it at a high level, but, but essentially yeah. if you can break down the technology that's supporting your end users and you have where the data is, is flowing back and forth, so the actual information layer, you have your integration of that data, and then you have the, the user experience on the front end, whether it's an internal uh, business user or an external consumer and so on. And, and if you can standardize what's happening on the back end, the, the free flow of information and data across solutions, um, whether they're in-house or in the cloud or, or connected in a network and so on, if you can access that information and, and it's harmonized information and you can get to it quickly and make better decisions off of it regardless of where the information sits, you can then standardize your processes about how you administer and maintain that. So you kind of simplify that scenario by doing that. And the technologies today in memory platforming and so on allow you to do some of that. You can then decouple that end-user mm-hmm. experience, that front-end component, and it can be upgraded, it can be micro-apps, can be built to, to satisfy the business needs virtually on demand. And now that's where you're getting some sustainability and agility around the IT side that is supporting the business. Okay. Josh Linkner, I don't want you to get in the weeds, but Colleen kept it nice and high level. Thoughts on what she just said about building your layers so you can cope with all of this change? I think that's exactly right. You know, furthermore, we're talking about decision making, and uh, you know, when you are trying to get line of business decision makers to to, to embrace change, um, one little tip I'd suggest: I always find that if you, even if you make a strong case, and and you're asking for wide sweeping permanent change, that's a scary thing for for decision makers to embrace. Mm-hmm. What I always try to do instead is position things as an experiment or a prototype, which, uh, if there's a finite time frame and budget, feels much more um, uh, accessible. And so if, if you are, you know, in an organization, you want to really, you know, effectuate change rather than, you know, demanding a, a, a big bang theory type approach, um, try for a series of experiments, take the momentum from each of those, layer them on top of one another, and I think that's ultimately what leads to great progress. 
Josh, when you talk about experiments, are you thinking along the lines of having an incubator process, maybe a side or parallel universe, if you will? I'm probably saying this wrong, but a parallel company or parallel system where this experimentation can happen without affecting the core <coughs> running of the business and there's safety because you can experiment without too much risk? What, what's, what's your thought? I mean, certainly from a technology standpoint, that's, that's accurate. Although sometimes mm -hmm. even in, in a live business setting when you're talking about processes or, or even product experiments, I mean, you know, McDonald's rolls out a new, new type of burger in a specific market as an, experience, as an experiment before making it system-wide to try it out. So that same type of product experimentation mm -hmm. can apply to, to many facets uh, of, of business life. Thank you. Now, I want to go ahead. I heard somebody. Who did I hear? Colleen? Michelle? No, it wasn't me, Bonnie. <laughs> But, I, but I do agree with what Josh is saying. Okay, good. Um, now, question. Josh, I want to pull in one more. I want to talk about your book just for a minute so that the other panelists are aware of, of your perspective. But uh, something I think is a quote, a sub-quote from you, Josh, is creativity has become the currency of success. And to that point, I just want to briefly mention that your first book was Disciplined Dreaming, a Proven System to Drive Breakthrough Creativity, which is named one of the top 10 business books of 2011. And your new book coming out, da-da-da-da-da, I don't have any music on, you know, to to do this. I don't have a, a horn section in the orchestra handy here, Josh, but your new book is The Road to Reinvention, which is so perfect for what we're talking about. So just talk to me a little bit about uh, your perspective in writing these business books. Who's your audience? Is it the same audience we're speaking to today? It is. I mean, I, I, I wrote the books to make a difference. Uh, you know, I feel that so many people are struggling in their careers and in their, in their organizations, and, uh, and I think a lot of the uh, management wisdom of the past is either too highbrow or, or, or lost, its, uh, lost its essence. And so to me, I wanted to pr provide, you know, very relevant, practical ideas, ideas and tools that allow people to transform their, their organizations and, and their own careers. I mean, in this case, I really focus on the idea of proactive reinvention rather than waiting till something goes wrong. You know, the big mm -hmm. myth is that leaders often feel that decline or decay will be totally visible, and they'll be on this nice, slow slope of decline that they can see coming and have plenty of time to react. Um, what really happens in the real world is that, your previous successes and momentum may carry an organization, and, and leaders may be um, blind to decay that's happening beneath the surface. By the time it becomes visible, that slope is certainly not gradual. It, it looks much more like a cliff. And, in fact, the research shows that by the time an organization who was once a leader in their field has to embark on a turnaround effort, they only regain their leadership position about 10% of the time. So the message that I have in the book for, for both individuals, even communities like the city of Detroit and others, is that the time to reinvent is from a position of strength. And the earlier you get on with the hard work and necessary work of reinvention, uh, the, the far better off you'll be. Thank and, you and very Bonnie, much. Colleen, yes, I, I, I agree with what Josh is saying, and I think it really adds to needing to, when you're, when you're looking at reducing the complexity and moving to simplicity for that agility, it really has to be in a sustainable state so you can react when those opportunities are presenting itself, when, when you, before you go down that slope, as Josh said. But if, you, if your, your business and your solutions providing support to that business are not set up to do that, you lose that uh, agility and flexibility to react. And the agility is so important in what we're talking about. Josh, you mentioned about the cliff. Talk about the traditional statement of the slippery slope. If you get to the edge of that cliff 
and we just hope it's not too slippery and you don't slip off. But the, the idea that only 10% of companies recover is certainly a very dramatic number. It's a very scary number. I'd like to move to uh, a little bit of a discussion about design thinking, which is one of Michelle Serrier's favorite topics. And let's talk about this. Michelle, I'm going to ask you to lead this conversation thread. Your notes to me say okay. recently we started seeing demand from customers in non-traditional process areas like idea management. And then you bring up the topic of simplicity is a key driver for process-related change as it leads to intuitive interactions and reduced training efforts. So bring this into our, our conversation, please, about the speed of innovation and not just coping but surviving and thriving. Go ahead, Michelle. <clears throat> when we started to, uh, um, to talk with our customers about um, um, mobility and HANA uh, a few years ago, we actually um, needed a methodology to help um, the customers to define the use cases, uh, because it, you're, you're using those methodology actually to, um, to uh, create a differentiation for yourself as a company, mm-hmm. and um, and therefore we we brought in design thinking. And the um, the effect we're seeing today is that actually, and this goes to the to the discussion we just had, is that actually the IT departments, because the, um, they're supporting the lines of business, and most of the decisions are being made in the lines of business they're actually realizing that they need to change the, the skill set they have in their departments, not for everyone, but they should have a set of people that are actually going to work as change agents, and they are starting to train those people to become change agents. And design thinking is one of those fundamentals which we use, which are helping. Um, it's a methodology and tool sets, but foremost it's actually bringing a mindset um, within, the, um, within the department, which is then driving uh, creativity, and you don't talk technology anymore. You talk really business with the people from the business. And um, by using design thinking, you're creating ideas. Um, and customers are then realizing that by using design thinking again and again, you're going to have ideas every time. But you, you have not reached um, a level where, as Josh was saying before, you have a continuous innovation. And that's mm-hmm. basically what we're seeing today and which I was talking about with those uh, processes, which were rather context. Um, a creation, creativity, and so on was m- most of the time rather in the R&D department or in the product in the production, and now it's moving to uh, to being spread to all the employees you have across the company, and that um, that's something which is starting to being driven through IT by leveraging also the idea management processes. Thank you, Michelle. I have a question for you before Josh and Colleen jump in, and, and anybody certainly can join this this thread. Uh, question is. If you have a, an employee base who's been around for a while, let's say a fairly established company, and people were not hired for creative thinking, they were not hired for responsible risk, it's not in their DNA, maybe personally, but certainly not in the company setting. How do you get people, how do you move them over that threshold, Michelle? And, and I'd love to hear Josh and Colleen's ideas because I'm sure you both have them. How do you move them over that threshold of, do I dare? Should I? What will they say? What is my risk? Am I risking my job? Am I risking my reputation? Will my manager agree? Uh, how do I speak out? And I have ideas, but what do I do with them? When is it safe to share them? And I know safety is not a good word for Josh Linkner. Michelle, h- how do you get your employees to embrace this design thinking, this new way of thinking, if you will? Uh, yeah, design thinking is only a, a mean to get there, but uh, the... Um uh, the first step is actually to to, uh, to have the management stand behind because it's first a top-down and kind of a culture that you need to bring in, which needs um, to make sure that um, employees are bringing up the ideas that they have. 
you need to make sure, as you very well said, that they um, they have they don't feel they they are going to um, to take to take a too big of a risk by um, uh, um, how do you say that um, by bringing up their fingers with the new ideas and then saying mm -hmm. I'm, I'm I have something that I think we should change or it's either incremental or it's a disruptive innovation. So it starts mm -hmm. from the top with putting the right cultures, the right KPIs um, into the organization, the right some of some processes but, but not too many. And afterwards, by, by using methodologies or creating the right mindset, afterwards it really becomes something where you need to make sure that actually it goes beyond collecting ideas. It's also making sure that uh, you don't have just um, a pile of um, haystack. You also need to get um, the most needles you can get out of, an, out of this pile of uh, haystack. I like that. I like that metaphor. Colleen Spear, from your perspective, uh, agree, disagree with Michelle? And what's, what do you think is the way to get employees to move over a little closer to the cliff, guided movement toward the cliff? I, I agree with uh, Michelle that you have to create a culture of change from the top so that the openness for that change, that innovation environment within uh, the workplace. Uh, I think the tools and methodologies around design thinking help to spark and get that, that motion moving and they also help to bring about processes and applications that are more intuitive to the users. Mm -hmm. So as you start to step through and, and, and do two or three of these at a time, segment it out, they start to see the result and it starts to get the momentum rolling over that, that, that edge, if you will. I, I think it's important that you, start, you show some of the results. You don't want to get uh, paralyzed by the, the haystack, as Michelle referred to it as. You have to look for relevant change, and I think that's so important. Uh, in, in the scheme of it. But it starts from the top, and it's creating that culture. Thank you. Very important. Culture is a word that, and culture and change are, are two words that go together on many of our Game Changers radio shows. So thank you very much, Colleen. Josh Linkner, I know you have something to say about this. What's your thought? I sure do. You know, the, the biggest inhibitor of creativity is not someone's natural talent. The research actually shows that, that all of us have enormous creative capacity as human beings. Mm -hmm. The biggest blocker is actually fear. And so if leaders can create environments that, have, um, it, it, that are safe, where people can express their ideas that, and they're celebrated instead of punished, uh, you know, that, that really is the game changer. I mean, a couple of quick fun examples. One company that I interviewed in the research for the book issues every team member uh, two corporate get-out-of-jail-free cards each year. And they say, <laughs> go out on a limb, be really creative, and if you really screw something up, hand us a card and you're off the hook, no questions asked. And so wow. that type of, of symbol, symbolic uh, prioritization of, of the creative act is really powerful. Another one, real quickly, just to give, give listeners a, a powerful technique. As I mentioned, you know, fear is this big blocker. So people, you're right, they, they hold back their best ideas. Mm -hmm. One technique, instead of brainstorming, try role storming. So role storming is brainstorming but in character. In other words, you might brainstorm as if you were Steve Jobs. So you... No one's going to laugh at Steve for coming up with a big idea. They might laugh at Steve for coming up with a small idea. So instead of playing the role of yourself where you could be judged or what would my boss think or will I look foolish, you're now totally liberated to share any ideas that you want. So in role storming, you just pick any character. It could be a literary figure, a great technologist, a business leader, uh, a movie star, a sports, a sports legend, and you brainstorm as if you were that person trying to solve the real problem at hand. And all the fear goes away because you're now a third party and, uh, and you can share your best thinking. 
I, I, I'm saying, wow, Dave Fowler is, is IMing me on another machine here, and he said, wow, we love the idea of the get-out-of-jail-free card, and that certainly takes, a, if the company really means it, Josh, that takes the sting out of speaking up and speaking out and, and sharing your innovative ideas. Uh, I have a, a question for the entire panel. This is something I mentioned in the beginning of the show. I'm not sure if we've covered it yet, but it's important for, for our audience to know. What tools and techniques are companies the successful companies that are coping with the speed of innovation, what are they using to predict the next wave? In other words, where is that cliff coming next? If, if we're doing a, a video game, Josh, and the, the, the cliffs are coming up, how can you predict in a business sense? Is it with the LOBs? Is it with these design thinking tools that uh, Michelle has brought up? So, Josh, let's start with you, and then we'll go down the list, uh, you and then Colleen and Michelle. What tools and techniques are company leveraging in real, real time? What can you tell us to predict the next wave where innovation is going to be required. I mean, for me, the truth of the matter is that nobody has a crystal ball. And so the only only thing you can do is be ready to accept change as quickly uh, and thoughtfully as possible. Um, What I have seen great companies do is be on the forefront of the experimentation. So where you're maybe, you know, some companies carve out specific time for for, um, their team members to doodle and experiment and explore. They carve out creativity time. They have people um, learning about industries uh, that are not their own and trying to bring inspired thinking from other parts of the planet. And so I think that um, since none of us truly can predict the future, it's our responsibility to shape it. Josh, you know the last part of the show is going to be crystal ball, so we're going to push you to the limit of the cliff and get you to give us some predictions. But, Josh, before I turn to Colleen Spear, question for you. Are millennials, we talk about millennials on almost every series we do for SAP Game Changers Radio, are millennials part of this wave of the innovative thinking, of the responsible risk-taking, of the coming to work with ideas that now will be embraced and encouraged by the company? Do you see this as a new generational wave of innovation that should be embraced by every company? What are your thoughts? Using millennial language, OMG, duh. Having worked with millennials for many years, I I could say that this is one of the most inspired and inspiring generations. Um, However, we can't manage them in the way that baby boomers exist. Uh, They need a lot more freedom. They want to have the ability to leave their fingerprints on things very quickly. And I think there's tremendous opportunity for learning, growth, and innovation um, that is is within that generation. I think taking a a pejorative approach and saying, oh, well, we've been at this 20 years and we know better is is nonsensical. Mm -hmm. I mean, today, the best and brightest ideas come from all, all corners, and I think we should celebrate the best ideas, not the person with the longest history or fanciest title. I love it. Thank you very much. we got to get you on the HR Trends series to say that as well because we talk about it all the time. Colleen Spear, what are your thoughts about predicting in terms of where is that next wave coming from? Do the LOBs you're talking about have a crystal ball? What do you see? I agree with with Josh. No one really has a crystal ball, but I think another key piece is information is a strong currency as well, and and being able Mm -hmm. to look through uh, predictive analytics and see where trends are taking you and and, and changes in those trends and who are causing them. You know, we saw the big wave on on mobile and the millennium and the customer, the customer of one getting to the individual and so on, and and I, I, I think information and being able to sort through that information in large sorts with predictive analytics is also another tool that will help with that. Thank you very much. Michelle Serrier, what do you see for the uh, for the predicting the wave? Is it possible? Is it within reach? Well, it, I, I, I'm going to repeat what uh, my, my two colleagues said, that uh, I, I, we don't have a crystal ball, but 
there, there are a few things that, that we're doing um, or customers are doing and which are, seem to work. It's actually um, really this uh, introducing that culture of change and allowing the people to change. So this uh, fail early and fail um, fail often without repeating the same mistake. It's also we're seeing more and more customers which are actually even in IT working with universities so they um, so that they basically don't just stay, stay in their silo or within the ecosystem of the company but but are actually involving other people and mm -hmm. uh, and the third one is actually even we don't i mean competition can come from everywhere so it's really uh, we're also looking at uh, where we had I, I i ran a workshop two weeks ago with 11 cios in asia where we actually looked at the future of work and where we looked at really trends even though it's maybe not directly related to it like uh, water shortage and all that kind of things where to to um, to bring the minds of people that that it's not just within your company or within your industry that you should look but look beyond everything can be relevant and bring you that small advantage that is going to help you to be more successful in the future Thank you, Michelle. I'm going to quote one of your talking points. You sent me a new one you added from the last time you were on. I, I think it speaks to what you've just mentioned. You say the question about the impact of change on business models can occur at all levels. You mentioned the corporate level, the LOB level, the yeah. team level, and the individual level. And I think that's what we've been discussing. And you say vice and vice versa. But in any case, it needs to take the customer and user into account. So is the customer and user internal as well as external in your point of view? Absolutely. And what I was referring to to the business model is that um, um, uh, most of the companies we're dealing with are actually very good at developing products, are starting to learn to develop services, and not just regarding the cloud and the fact that everything is going to become a service, but this is some everyone invested a lot of money into creating the right product, and we're now um, learning that the service is probably going to be the thing that is going to help us to, um, to have a USP in the future. And the third component, which... Um, uh, most of the companies never looked at is actually um, the business model. You have a tendency, as Josh was putting it at the beginning of the, um, of the hour, to say that uh, basically when you create something new, you're going to take the same price list and then put it just add a line, but go with the same logic without um, taking a second or uh, a few minutes to actually think about the fact with that type of product or that type of service, is there a new business model I could go after? which can mm -hmm. be inside my company or could be something which is going to be creating a network um, and, and driving fully new business models. And this is something I can do for a line of business. We, can, we apply it to departments, uh, even within SAP, or you can, uh, you can do it also with individuals. Uh, we are also a small model uh, which has a few components, and you can always uh, tweak them around and look at what would this change if I would uh, tweak this with myself. Thank you very much. Colleen and Josh, I just want to know if you have any comments to make on what Michelle Serrier just shared with us before I go to break. We have about a minute before break. Josh, any thoughts? You know, I think he, I think he really nailed it. It's, you know, it's, it's prioritizing mm -hmm. change. I, to me, when I, when I think about all this and really zoom out, it's the difference between, to a degree, small company thinking and big company thinking. You know, small mm -hmm. company think, and again, there's nothing to do with the size of the company. It's how they think. So it's, yes. it's the difference between yeah. embracing risk versus avoiding it. It's the difference between protecting uh, old ideas instead of coming up with new ones, you know, uh, complacency versus, uh, versus urgency. And so even the large organizations, I mean, every company was put here in the first place because of some entrepreneurial breakthrough, and over time we maybe lose that essence. But even the largest companies that can reconnect to that entrepreneurial thinking, that design thinking, uh, can, can make a real huge difference. Thank you very much. Colleen, thoughts before I wrap for the break? 
Yeah, I, I would probably say, you know, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication, and, and, and it's a, a quote from da Vinci, but, but again, it's that entrepreneurial spirit and being able to, to be agile and think like that. Okay, on that note, we're going to simply be sophisticated and go to a break. I love that quote. Thank you, Colleen. Oh, that was not good, Bonnie. You know what? You're listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP Services. I have an amazing panel today. They are thinking on their feet, and they're thinking from experience and insight. I'm speaking with Josh Linkner at Detroit Venture Partners and New York Times bestselling author, and I'm speaking with Colleen Spear, VP and Head of Active Global Support North America for SAP, as well as Michelle Serrier, Global Head of Service Innovation Global Services for SAP. Our topic today, in case you haven't guessed, future of accelerated innovation. Lead, follow, or I'll put in the word, damn it, move over. We'll be right back after the break, and I'm going to push my panel to the edge of that cliff. I'm not going to push them over. I want them to take a look into the crystal ball. I know Josh, Colleen, and Michelle have it ready because I warned them and asked them to fast forward about six years to 2020 because we all know that's what hindsight is or we'd like to think it is. And what would we be saying about accelerated innovation in six years if we met again? And I certainly hope we do. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Future of Business with Game Changers. And a shout out to Andy Grieg and Dave Fowler for tweeting words of wisdom from our wonderful panel. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse. Oh, you know the drill. Brad out. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to The Future of Business with Game Changers. Speaking about the future, we're going to look into the future and peer into the crystal ball. And our topic today is the future of accelerated innovation, lead, follow, or move over. So let's start with Josh Linkner. Josh, is the crystal ball showing you blue skies, cloudy skies? What do you see in the next six years, or how many years do you want to go out for us? Well, you know, I'd say let's just shoot shoot out, you know, 2020, which a lot of people are thinking about today. Um, I am mm-hmm. so optimistic. I, yes, we live in challenging times, but, but we also live in a world of incredible possibility and opportunity. Um, I see major technology breakthroughs in healthcare, extending life and, and quality of life. Uh, I see incredible stuff happening in the Internet of Things and, and having devices that are connected and thoughtful. So, you know, our problem today isn't too little, too, too, too shortage of information. It's, it's, you know, we have an abundance of it, and using technology to make sense of the world uh, around us is, is going to be profound. And more importantly, I think what's good, we're going to see a shift in careers and companies that the quote-unquote hard skills of the past 
uh, have really become and are becoming commoditized, and, and those are going to be much less valued. What's really going to be valued is creative thinking, is, is the, artist, the artistic side. I've heard it said that the MFA, Masters of Fine Arts, is the new MBA, you know, Masters of Business. Mm. So I think that um, for people to win in their careers, their companies, and their communities, they're going to need to embrace this inner artist that, that thankfully we all have. Uh, many of us just need to develop. So I'm very optimistic. I see a bright future for our, 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 uh, our world. Uh, certainly there will be challenges, but I believe that uh, good old-fashioned innovation is going to overcome them. Thank you, Josh Lingner. And you're cl- very close to debuting your new book, The Road to Reinvention. So I'm going to ask you to look into the crystal ball. How many books will you be writing after this one in the next six years? Do you dare to take a guess? Come on, <laughs> wow. push it. You know, I've, I've, I don't know if you have kids or not, but, but in my case, you know, once we had kids, we're like, oh, my God, I'm never doing that again. And then a couple years later, you forget the pain of having a kid. So uh, I, I have to forget the pain of writing the book uh, for a couple of years first. But uh, I, I'm really optimistic about this one. I, I hope it's going to make a difference. I won't write a book just to write it. If, if, if I'm going to write another book, it's going to be because I think there's a real opportunity to effectuate change. Well, we'd be very honored if you'd take today's topic, Accelerated Innovation, Lead Follower, and my parentheses, damn it, move over. Uh, that would be a great title for a book, I think, if you're, if you're ready to, as the first kid is, the second, the third kid is out of diapers, maybe you'll consider another one. Uh, I'm talking about your books, Josh, obviously. Thank you, Josh Linkner. Appreciate it. Let's turn to Colleen Spear at SAP. Colleen, what does the future look like for you in terms of Accelerated Innovation? Rosie, Cloudy, what do you see? Oh, extremely rosy, and I think the need for speed is still going to continue to be there, and the focus is going to remain and grow to be on the individual. Um, I think with the technologies advancing, the importance on um, the mobile, the online networks, the omni-channel commerce, and so on, is really going to change the landscape for us as we move forward. And I think you need to actually make sure you're setting yourself up for sustainable simplicity to remain agile in that environment. Okay. Anything else, Colleen? I can give you a little, give you about another minute here. If you, any thoughts about the layers of the process, is that going to change? Would, would if we talk to you in six years, would you be saying the same thing about the uh, la- solutions and layers? I think so because it's about setting it up sustainably. So again, if you can have your system of record information more standardized, more automated, and, and then you decouple that front end, all that data free, free flowing between information in house, information in the cloud, and so on decoupled from the front end that allows you to be agile and shift to the changing demands of the consumer or the individual, you're, you're set up for that sustainable simplicity that I've been talking about. And, Kali, one more question before we turn to Michelle for his predictions. That you, told, you told me, and we didn't bring this point up, I don't think that the LLB decision maker and IT in some sense are merging or will merge. Do you see this coming about in a more, more serious way in the next five or six years? In the sustainable company, you have to do that. You absolutely must because the business is going to take you the creativity of where they need to go to address the consumer or the individual, and the IT has to be able to support that vision and that those processes. Uh, so they will be coming together if they want to be successful, if they're not already Thank there. Thank you so much, Colleen Spear. Michelle Serrier, it's your turn. Talk to me. What do you see in the crystal ball, and how far out are you looking, Michelle? I'm going to do 2022. Okay. Uh, well, um, I, I, I'm very optimistic, otherwise I wouldn't do the, the job I'm doing today. Um, and um, even if I look at my kids, to, uh, um, and, I have, uh, and I have three of them, um, um, we, they're, they're actually very different from us and very similar. Um, so um, in any case, they, they, um, they want to innovate, and they need innovation at a, at a speed which we haven't 
had up to now. So I think it's going to even accelerate compared to what we did today. If you look at, uh, there is an economist which is called Kontradiev, which is do, who's doing cycles and who is saying that basically we're at the end of the third industrial uh, revolution um, since 2010. And we now have, if you look at it from a technological point of view, we have everything in place to actually um, start the next wave, which is going to be um, um, more looking at cyber physical systems, networks, bionics, and so on. Um, which will go for 30, 40 years, probably years on Mars and so on. And this is something which is which is really um, making me want to be there to see what is going to happen there. And from an innovation perspective, I think the um, you normally have two. You're either leading, um, which we have in the title of the uh, the subject today, which is not a given for everyone, and is not something which is automatic, as we already discussed. And then most of the most of the other companies are rather following a me too, and then making sure that it becomes also accessible to the masses. What I think is going to, to change fundamentally is that there's a collaborative innovation, as we also discussed in the other um, call we had a couple of weeks ago. This is, I believe, going to become um, prevalent for most of the companies that want to lead in a more sustaining way. You're going to, mm -hmm. to have to open up to the rest of the world, which is going to increase the risk but also increase the chances for success. Thank you very much, Michelle. You gave me just the amount of time I need, 45 seconds to close the show, so here we go. First of all, a shout-out to Josh Linkner at Detroit Venture Partners. Thank you so much, Josh, in regards to Richard Green, Colleen Spear at SAP, Michelle Sirier at SAP. Pleasure to have you all on the panel. Let's talk about what's coming up in the future. The future for me is, let's see, Monday is Financial Excellence with Game Changers, but it's U.S. Memorial Day, so a little secret. We're pre-recording the show today, so if you have nothing else to do on Monday, you can listen to the show as though it were live, and then it will repeat two hours later. Uh, we'll have HR Trends with Game Changers on Tuesdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, here on the Business Channel. Wednesday, you know it's Coffee Break with Game Changers, 8 a.m. Pacific, and Future of Business right here at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Next Thursday, it'll be the wrap-up, the 13th edition, before we take a break with Dave Fowler for the summer, and they'll be coming back in the fall. Shout-out to Dave Fowler and Andy Grieg at SAP Services for tweeting, Malcolm Kimberlin and Michael, Brad, everybody at the Business Channel team, thank you so much. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another great week of SAP Game Changers Radio. Have a good one and happy Memorial Day if you're in the U.S. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.